0: You're listening to The Big Show with George Rusick. Okay. There was some super hot there. Someone's horny here, I don't know. <laughs> and Maddie Rose. I'm already a bit of a sweaty dude. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: Hour number two, it's The Big Show, Rusick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. Got a question about basements? Yeah, you do. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Why don't they have them in Texas? That's a good question.
0: I don't have a follow up. With...
1: Maybe ask Dave Dickinson that. He's
0: American. He's coming up at the he's bottom of the hour. From Montana. He's American. It's like essentially, I'm pretty. they have basements in Montana. They I do.
1: don't know if he's going to know. Um, the head coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders must win this week. Is yes, it? So join us at the bottom of the hour. And I think we'll wrap up the seven with uh, Troy Aikman's girlfriend has some sticky fingers. Mm. Sticky fingers. Oh, and uh, the franchise, 8 o'clock.
0: I do love a little five-finger discount, George.
1: Um, but right now, he is uh, NHL scouting analyst Just... for Sportsnet, former director of scouting of the Florida Panthers on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Our pal, Jason Bucala. Books, how are you?
2: Good morning, fellas. I'm just sitting here getting a chuckle out of the whole uh, intro there. That was outstanding. Do
1: you you know why they have no basements in Texas? Do you know this answer or no?
2: I I know. I just learned something new there. Yeah. I I have no idea. They shouldn't have any water issues. I wouldn't think. Maybe they just, uh, it's just like choice, I
3: guess. Yeah.
1: I guess not everything's bigger in Texas, not basements, because they ain't got none. So that's fine. Really good. Don't that's look at me like really that. Really sharp. Yeah, you're good. Um, you're on your, on your game um, today. <laughs> Jason, I wanted to, it is hump day. I wanted to ask you, uh, Jason, the report from our pal David Panyota of the fourth period saying, uh, Dan Vladar, potentially the Flames exploring a trade for Dan Vladar to get Dustin Wolf elevated to be the backup behind Jacob Markstrom. What do you think the value right now for a Dan of Vladar would be around the league? A guy with a good contract, a guy who potentially can be a number one in this league. What's the value for a guy like him on the market, you think, right now?
2: Well, the landscape across the league is a little bit interesting, isn't it, uh, between the pipes? I mean, you look at some of the teams that um, obviously, you know, Tampa Bay is dealing with injury, but they're going to have cap issues. Um, and then if you go to the other side of the ledger, like uh, Peter Mrazek's off to a good start in Chicago. But having said that, Ladar would fit the bill very nicely in Chicago with what they have with the, the Soderblom kid there is 24 years old. And that would be a nice mix. Uh, You know, kind of that mid range uh, still on the uptick type of goalie tandem. Um, I think there is a a significant uh, market. I I think that it's all driven by cap guys. I don't think it's really player related. I think Bladar can find a home on several different teams in the league. It's just going to be the fit financially. Um, and I think he's a 40-plus game guy, um, you know, that needs to have that type of runway to, to prove it. Um, so you you looking at a team that would be able to split some time. Um, and and be a fit that way, or you're going to be looking at a, a rebuilding club where they're going to give him a long runway and see uh, you know what type of uh, performance he can provide. The landscape in goaltending's changed a lot over the years. Gone are the years of the Grant Fuhrs playing for Mike Keenan, where he played 76 games or whatever. And right. you know uh, the, the starting goalies anymore. If you can get 55 to 60 out of them, like Hellebuck I think played 67 last year. He Kind of ran out of gas um, anymore if you can get sixty out of a starter, so I think Vladar, there's a there's a big market out there for him, but it's just it's just money fellas it's just hard to do
1: what's the price tag you think what should flames fans expect as a return
2: well again if if you didn't if you can move the con the contract's not it's good i mean yeah. it's, it's it's he's not expensive at all um if you can move all of the dollars out, I think that way you'd be looking at I call him a one B. So I think that you can get the timing's not great in October, November. So the value is going to be more like a late second, early third hmm. if they take all the money. Um, I would personally be looking at uh, a mid-range second-round pick from Vladar. He's a proven NHL puck stopper, and um, those guys are, are hard to find. Uh, I know it doesn't sound like it is hard to find, but they are. Uh, where you can trust that you can you can go and, and, and throw him right into the the, the fray and he's going to stop bucks for you. Whereas you know you, you trade for a guy who's uh, in a career backup, like even Casey Desmith in Vancouver. Like when he gets above 25 games uh, historically, he runs out of gas. Um, mm-hmm. Where and he and he's in his 30s already. Bladar's a lot younger. Um, and you could give him the runway, so the value of that goes up, and, and that's why I think you could... I'd ask for a second-round pick personally, I guess that's my short answer. oh no, okay. that's my long answer. I'd ask for a second-round
1: pick. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure a lot of Flames fans would be super pumped up about that. Uh, Maddie and I have been uh, having this discussion. I've, I've kind of had to take, Jason, that uh, I know Dustin Wolf, the dude's proven everywhere he's played that he, he should be in the NHL. He should be a guy to get a long look here to be Jacob Markstrom's backup, but how tough is it for a young guy to potentially only play, you know, once every 10 days or so? Like, he's a guy that's used to playing a lot of hockey as the number one. Like, how tough is it for a younger guy, Jason? And what are some of the signs that you would look for in a guy to, to be that role as an NHL backup when he's not been used to that these last few years?
2: Yeah, it's not ideal. I mean, you know, let, let's be honest. But again, I'll 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 say this: that it's not really once every ten days anymore. Again, you're going to get games every week, uh, just because the volume isn't there with starters. They're not playing as much. But even if Markey uh, has a, a really solid bounce back season and he gets sixty games into him, um, and you know, so you're once every six seven days. I think Dustin Wolf. Here's the thing with Dustin Wolf. He's proven everybody, every step of the way, he's proven that he's prepared for whatever challenge lies ahead. And I wouldn't put any doubt that his preparation every day would trump um, any rust, if you will. I think that he would work exceptionally hard in practice. He'd break down video and stuff with the coaches. Um, This guy prepares. And I think that he would have the brain and the, uh, the mindset to adapt. And it wouldn't be ideal. It would be new. But I, I trust this kid. Like, how can't you? Right? He's, 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 he's got to answer the right. bell every step of the way. Wanted to ask you about what
0: you're seeing from the Flames in their defensive zone. A lot of teams across the NHL have changed out how they're checking in their own end. What have you seen from the Flames as they try and incorporate something a little different?
2: Yeah. So the Flames. A lot of teams are doing this. They're going to. I mean, there's a lot of different. Uh, ways you can describe it. Zone coverage, I guess, is the best way to put it. Box and one is another one. Double down defense. I've heard a lot of different things, but what you're going to see in the Flames is they're just much more active in their zone and they're, they're collapsing from the hash marks down. They're really challenging opponents with their energy down low in their zone and kind of giving away the top of the zone with the uh, the defenseman, if you will, on the opponent because they're trying to outnumber and outman the opponent down low in the zone. More energy, more stick on puck, more body man-on-man early, but they don't follow it out with man-on-man coverage. So you're going to see a lot more. It looks a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more hectic, I will say this, when you're a goaltender, um, everybody, when you play this way, you really have to have your head on a swivel. You have to be alert the entire time. You're not just zoning in on one guy. Like Daryl Sutter played man-on-man coverage. So you zone in on your guy. Um, The problem with man-on-man, especially with the speed of the game, is as soon as there's a breakdown somewhere, let's say the guy on the puck breaks down with, with his check. Now, if somebody spills off another check, you've left the guy open somewhere, and it's easy to pick that apart. When you're playing the way they are right now, active, kind of chaotic, uh, zone coverage, their jump is uh, is 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 really crucial, and your reads are really crucial, and that makes it a little bit more difficult on the goalie. The goalie has to be engaged all across the ice, making sure that he's taking real good spatial kind of look at what's going on in front of him. I like it personally. Um, I pers- right across the board when I watch the Flames' first three games. I mean, you know, they've had a few hiccups here and there. Everybody has. But I really like the look of their group energy-wise in all three zones right now. I feel like it's an active team, and and that's how they're defending in their zone.
0: What are you seeing from the former Panthers that you would have been in lockstep with for a while there? Mackenzie Wieger and Jonathan Huberto through a few games here in the new season.
2: Wieger looks pretty solid. I mean, he's making some plays in the offensive zone. Um, he's got a little bit of swagger back in him. Um, I thought that he finished strong last year, to be honest with you. I thought he was much better down the stretch. And I I think he's going to be just fine. Um, I haven't looked at the the log for time on ice for him yet. But again, we've addressed this before. He's the type of guy that the more you give him, the better he gets. And um, he can play upwards of 25 minutes a night. And, you know, we'll monitor it as the season goes along. But I'm less worried about him um, to start the year than I was about Jonathan. I know Jonathan's off to a point of game start, but... I still think that his handles and his playmaking off the rush can be a little bit more crisp. Um, He can finish uh, his distribution a little bit better. But, um, again, I'm not worried about his start. I I like his energy. I like the look of him. I know that he's ready to go. Um, You know, 10-game segment is generally where I start to to really look back after a segment of 10 games and say, okay, here's a trend. Because three games gives you a, a cap. A little snapshot of what's going on 10 games starts to become a trend in certain categories so I'll circle back but um if he's at around the 12 to 15 point mark by 10 games and doing things properly off the puck uh, I'll be really happy and I think 12 points in 10 games should be a target
1: Jason Bucala NHL scouting analyst for Sportsnet joining us here in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline big show Russick and Rose 960 the fan what have you seen through three games of Matt Coronado this season
2: Wow, Matt Corso. so he played, this is a guy that I, I broke down quite a bit in the last few days, actually through training camp. His energy in Washington, I don't, I'm interested to know what you guys thought, but I thought he was off the charts, energized. He, he's really played hard in Washington the other night. Uh, he was north of 20 minutes. Um, so the things that I'm really liking about Coronado He needs to be in motion. Some guys are just a little bit, uh, he's not deliberate, but he's not exceptionally explosive out of the blocks. So when he is pushing himself the way he's pushing himself right now, um, he makes himself noticeable all over the ice. Like if you look at him, he's active on the back check. Um, when things break down in the offensive zone, he's, he's trying to get above the play when they don't have the puck, he's intercepting some pucks up, up high in the offensive zone. But more importantly, he's catching pucks in areas in the offensive zone right now and getting them to the net, um, you know, the way that he can. And, and this kid is uh, at times a little bit of an opportunist, which is a good thing because he doesn't need a lot of opportunity to score goals. Um, and he's getting some chances. He's getting some looks. So, I love his energy. I love his compete. Um it's he's only got the one uh, the one uh, tuck through uh, three games, uh, but he's getting his chances, guys, and uh and there's no there's nothing to matter with the way he's playing the game right now for sure.
1: What should be a reasonable expectation for a season?
2: I think I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Coronado, I honestly think he can score 20 goals this year. <laughs> I I know that, you know, I honestly do. He's getting his chances. He's getting looks. He's playing up in the lineup. He's going to be on the on one of the power play units. As long as he earns the coach's trust, and it appears early on that he has, if he continues to earn the player or the coach's trust uh, off the puck and defensively, because it's important, you just have to be average when you're a guy like him. I don't want to overestimate this. So you don't have to be you know blocking shots and being a shutdown guy but you have to be good enough that the coach will throw you out there in all scenarios and I like what I see out of him I think it's possible is he going to probably score 15 yeah but I think he can get to 20.
0: Jason really enjoyed talking about draft and all of the prospects with you over the last couple of years now at this time of the season there's always the young players who are just finding their way in the NHL I was wondering if there were some players that might not be household names that have caught your eye early on that will be household names by the end of the season that you could maybe uh, give us the inside track on?
2: Yeah, it's it's a good time to be a young player in the league. I mean, hmm. it's good for the fans. You know, like, obviously we all know about the high-end guys, of Bedards, the Coolies. Of course, everybody knows I got a Cooley crush, so <laughs> Cooley for Calder. That's going to be the thing this year for me. But anyways, <laughs> <Believe> um <it. laughs> Zach Benson in Buffalo, uh, you know, coming out of uh, the Winnipeg Ice last year, he's he's had a fantastic training camp in Buffalo. Um, you know, he's averaging about 15 minutes per game to start. The, the interesting about a guy with, like Benson on straight lines, he's not a uh, he's not a burner on straight lines. He's one of these guys that can make plays moving east west off the rush um, and kind of turn a guy inside out that way. So he's very deceptive, um, distributor more than a shooter, but You know, when you're undersized and you can make plays close to your body like he can, um, you know, opponents can't sleep on his release in the offensive zone. So Zach Benson, uh, that's a name. Uh, Pavel Mityakov, I don't know if you guys watched any of the Anaheim game the other night, but um, rangy, long defensively. Uh, So he was in Saginaw and then went to Ottawa in the Ontario Hockey League. When he first came to North America, his defending was erratic at best. You could see the offensive upside. The guy wants the puck. He wants to make plays, but he was uh, erratic defensively. He's really cleaned that up. He has the potential to uh, quarterback an NHL power play, uh, really aggressive walking the blue line. So when he gets the puck up top, if, and you know when we're talking about these defensive zone coverages now, mm. there's going to be more defensemen that get pucks up top in the zone now. Um, if there's a down low puck, and it's a, a man on, or there's a battle, and because the your your forwards might be getting out man, they're going to chip it back and work it high to low, and Minty is a guy to watch in on because he's aggressive getting pucks to the net. Um, Kevin Korchinski, uh, just kind of looking through my notes here, Kevin Korchinski yep. in Chicago, coming out of Seattle, there's another big uh, defenseman who he's going to fly under the radar a bit in Chicago because, you know, the Bedard kid just might get a little bit of attention there. So, um But he's playing even strength and power play to start the year. There's another guy that can uh, work the puck on the power play. So there's a lot of good young players, man, in the the league this year. Like the the Poitras kid, or Poitras, I forget how you say it. Yeah, in Boston, Boston, yeah. Came out of the Guelph Storm. Um, He's a light guy. Like, he's about 175 pounds. But he's a playmaker. Sees the ice. And, uh, you know, guys, if you fall asleep on him in the defensive zone, he's going to make plays in kind of through bodies and around bodies. So that's another guy. Like,
0: when we look back at this most recent draft, 2023, uh, obviously Bedard's doing his thing in Chicago. Uh, We're expecting Leo Carlson. He got hurt during training camp. Adam Fantilli's played a few games. But how surprised were you that Zach Benson made the roster and has been playing regular minutes?
2: Kind of a perfect storm, and it's always unfortunate, right? Like, um, you know, they it's like the hell going down with injury in Calgary. So Matthew Savoy goes down with injury in training camp in Buffalo. And that kind of opened the door a little bit more for him. Obviously you got to take advantage of your opportunities and walk through that door. But um, I would say that their, their staff would, would admit that they were surprised. And, and similar to Fraser Minton in Toronto, the, the player just didn't go away. You know what I mean? Like he just didn't stop. So He didn't give them any reason not to believe, and uh, good on him. man. He's a smaller-skilled guy, and similar to Matt Phillips scoring the other night for the Washington Capitals, that was kind of fun to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Benson's just getting started, but the league accepts these types of guys, and he's taking advantage of the opportunity. I'm surprised. I thought he was going to be sent back to junior. He still might, um, but he's earned this opportunity.
0: I also like that you brought up Kevin Korczynski. Uh I think it'll always be in my mind for the rest of his career just oh, uh, you had to share a rookie lap with Connor Bedard. That's you were definitely not in the spotlight for that one, hey?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, like I it's funny you say that because now I I remember the rookie the sort of rookie lap and there was not a single camera on Korczynski, so that's poor kid. I mean it's his, it's his moment too, right? Yeah.
1: Um, um books obviously uh Connor Bedard. We've had us we had our eye on him for years about being the number one pick. This year, maybe not so much of a Connor Bedard like draft. Who are the three guys we should really keep an eye on here, uh that 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 potentially could be the top three picks in the draft coming up in June?
2: Well, I mean, Maclus Celebrini out of uh, Boston University, he's uh he appears for me right now like he's gonna be the guy I well. He doesn't just appear. He is going to be the guy. It's his slot to lose at number one. Um, He does it all guys. He's, he's got the, he's got drive, skill, speed. Um, BU were the preseason number one in NCAA hockey. They laid an egg last weekend, uh, but not because of his play. He, uh, he was solid. So Celebrini, we're going to hear a lot about him. Uh, He's uber competitive on top of being skilled. So, you know, some of the things like it doesn't matter how skilled you are, you have to be exceptionally competitive to have get results in the uh, in the National Hockey League and, and he's right there in, in you know, he ticks off all those boxes. Cole Eiserman at the US National Team Development Program, pure shooter, um less of a playmaker. Uh, you know he's he's five eleven and but he's a heavy set guy like he's around two hundred pounds. I don't call him a burner in transition, but when he gets the puck in the offensive zone, everybody should just gravitate to the net because he shoot first all day. He's got an elite yeah. uh, release. Um, the left, you know, that's a couple of Russians that are on the list. That uh, Shinov, uh the uh, the right D at Michigan State, coming out of uh, the USHL last year. And then Demidov, who is at SKA, And everybody knows about SCA at the beginning of the year because, uh, you know, they were going through some some uh, interesting uh, roster decisions uh, and, and he stuck it out there at SKA. But that's going to be an interesting one. Demidov is uber skilled, like mm. high-end skilled, Panarin-like. So that's another guy. But then we're going to start to talk about the Russian factor, aren't we? So when we do our... Our mock draft at the end of the year, Maddie. It's going to be, you know, how do we Mm -hmm. slot some of these guys? Because there's some Russians on the high end, Um, but out west, uh, Berkeley Caton in Spokane. Keep a close eye on him. That that gets an elite score. Um, he's worth the price of admission if Spokane comes to town.
1: Uh, I love you and Maddie. You're such draft nerds. I love it. You guys
2: love
0: it so much. It's the best. (laughs) You guys love it. Um, I like being a hipster. Oh, I saw him in junior. Yeah. I heard about it when he was in the NCAA. I just like to be ahead of the curve. Yeah. You guys are like, you know, you like that band that, you know, was playing all these underground shows before they make it mainstream. Exactly. That's what you guys are. Yeah. yeah. But it's hockey players. uh, Skrillex in a club of a hundred back in the day. That That type of stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, Books, always a
1: pleasure, my man. Thanks
0: for this.
2: No problem, guys. Enjoy the day. Look forward to uh, talking to you again.
1: Sounds good. There he is, NHL scouting analyst for Sportsnet, former director of scouting of the Florida Panthers, Jason Bukla, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports guest hotline.
0: Uh, you've seen his player cards before. I just want to say keep an eye out for him this year. Okay. Because he's continuing Buk's to terrific. work on them. Like,
1: and everything he said about Matt Coronado there. Like, if you're listening to what Books is saying, like, and you know what? That, that's something now I'm totally going to keep an eye on now. Mm-hmm. He goes, he's maybe not as an explosive guy as he's standing still. He has to constantly be in motion. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something now I'm definitely going to be it's keeping an eye moving. on for. It. Just always yeah. moving. yeah. And like... this is a guy who's, you know, made a living as a scout. So that's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye on for Matt Coronado. And he's saying that he potentially scored 20 goals. Hey, now. That'd be a good rookie season.
0: Yeah, Pro Hockey Group is Jay's website that he does kind of the player cards and everything, and uh, we love having him along for the ride here at Sportsnet too. Uh, Dave Dickinson, the head coach and GM of your Calgary Stampeders, straight
1: ahead, and Troy Aikman's uh, girlfriend, Sticky Fingers. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour, the franchise. Eric Francis. Joining us live from Western New York. Uh, flames off again tonight. They play the Sabres in the Belo tomorrow. And then they play Johnny and the Jackets on Friday night. Johnny? Who's that? Who that? Who this? New phone. And then uh, Sunday. Mm. Ugh, I hate the Sunday at three o'clock game. Damn you NHL schedule. And it's the only game on tap too. And the flames have to the play on an day? NFL Sunday.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, they have to play on Sundays every once in a while. There's two games on Sunday, George. I hate it. You're not going to watch Ducks Bruins at 630? No.
1: For Uh, Anaheim? Nope. I hate it. Uh, What I do like, though, is uh, getting the Stampeders into the postseason. Yes, sir. The head coach and GM of your Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson, joins us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Good morning, sir. How are you?
3: Uh, doing a little better, which is good
1: yeah um I, I i guess your week is better when you're obviously still alive in the uh in the playoff chase and the hunt. um how exciting is that from a, a season that's definitely had a lot of up and downs yet Dave, a couple games to go here still have a puncher's chance
3: we do, we do i mean you can tell there's a little different uh feel out on the practice field uh you know, it takes a lot you know when you put a a lot out there and you don't seem to find ways to win uh certainly can bring you down so you know, we haven't really won two games in a row all year, so uh, we need to do that. And big challenge ahead of us, but um, we kept ourselves alive, and um, you can tell there's a little bit more energy and a little bit better feel out on the practice field.
1: Um, is is there a legitimate belief within that locker room right now, Dave?
3: Yeah, there is. Yeah, I know. Um, I really think so too. I'm I'm good with it. I, I feel like our, uh, we can beat anybody. I do. Hmm. Um, can can we win three in a row? That's that's to be. I guess that's to be determined. Um, you know, we may not need all three to get into the playoffs, but we might. So uh, big challenge, but we're, uh, we're looking forward to it.
0: Coach, I want to ask you about the impact Cam Judge has had on the season for you. Uh, he gets the pick six, which helps your club win that game against the Rough Riders. Uh, you got to feel pretty happy with how that trade has turned out for your group.
3: Yeah, I mean I think both teams would be though. I think yep. uh you know what really happened was Mitch wanted to get back John, Mechie wanted to get back to uh, Royce Mitchy, sorry brother. <laughs> wanted to get back to Toronto. And uh we felt like we could get a good football player on our team and we've been really happy with Cam and he's just the other thing about Cam is is uh who he is as a person. Uh mm. really really has been good for our room and our team and uh, he works. I mean, he's he never misses the practice. He's always here early and I just think, uh, you know, quiet leader, but definitely a good leader. I was
0: talking to Reggie Bagleton. Uh, I just asked him about the Cam Judge interception. And the first thing that Reggie said was, I can't believe he does it without gloves. Um, have you ever noticed that Cam just does the job without gloves? Does that stand out to you?
3: Well, a receiver saying that's probably going to carry more weight than yeah. me. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like to each his own. I mean, uh, certain guys. I think the gloves are pretty awesome these days. Uh, I remember back in my day, they were like they looked like you know you were you were going into like uh, some sort of a hazardous waste area. They were these <laughs> massive, you know, latex gloves. You know, and then now it seems like they're sleek and they're nice and. Uh, most of the guys do wear them. But Cam, the throwback, I guess. I guess he's a throwback guy.
1: Do you think you would have worn him just because of the grip,
0: Dave?
3: Me, I tried him. I, I didn't feel great wearing gloves because it wasn't that I – I think he could throw the ball a little harder with gloves. I think he got a little more rotation. Mm. And Calgary is one of the driest cities in the world, in my opinion. So I get it. But for me, it was like, let's say I wanted to touch a ball over a, a DN that was like blitzing off the edge. I didn't feel I had that with gloves. I felt like the ball kind of stuck on my fingers a little too much. Uh, so for the most part, I didn't like it. Um, wore one on my opposite hand sometimes. That was broken fingers and stuff like that to t- tape it together. But uh, never never wore a glove to throw with and, and – uh, Tried it, just wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, it's it's just a little thing for me. Like when I see a guy not wearing gloves in certain positions, either receiver or like in baseball when a batter doesn't have him, I'm like, oh, this guy, i am got to be careful this guy. This guy's a little bit reckless. But that was just my little <laughs> observation on Cam Judge, I guess. I wanted to ask you about Reggie as well. Um, hopeful that he's going to be back, but also uh, announces the Herm Harrison Award winner. Just a, a thought on what he had to do to earn this award.
3: Well, I mean, uh I knew Herm and it, you know, back when I got here, I mean Sugarfoot Herm, John Helton, those were kind of the guys that you know, had welcomed us and, and really showed us what it meant to be part of the community and, and guys the offensive line probably would be another group that just the Roccos of the World and, and obviously Bruce Coverton and these guys just they really do a great job and um you know, I think it was a great award, obviously, uh some of these guys, most of them don't know about Herm, but they we try to we try to give them a little scoop. Uh, Nick Lewis on staff uh, gave a good story on Herm to the guys. and It's more about getting out and making a difference and uh, and doing the right thing. And they're doing it because you enjoy and you're, you you care about other people and you enjoy the chance to to maybe make a positive impact. So we need them on the field first and foremost. You know, you could tell without Reg, we were a little off. We were waiting for someone else to make a play. We need him, but um, he's got rib injuries, and that's a tough one because, you know, you can't test that in practice. You either you go for it and hope it holds up, uh, or you wait another week and feel more confident that uh, you will be able to take those hits. So it's, it's certainly still up in the air, but it's good to see him back out there.
0: Uh, we got the injury report after the closed practice yesterday. Jake Mayer away, not injury-related. Can you just uh, update us on the quarterback?
3: Yeah, I think it's it's uh, okay to say that uh, him and his wife had a baby girl, Everly. Um, oh, that's really so excited nice. about that. Haven't haven't heard a lot of other details. Um, not worried about it. I told Jake just you know pop in when you feel you can and be there for your wife and the birth of your daughter and, um, and good timing to be honest because uh, mm. you know it, you can you can certainly. Uh, Everybody says you can focus on your job and do this and do that. But I think when you're on the road, I think that's a tough one. And we still got one more. We got Sean McEwen uh, working on that. So um, hopefully I don't see him today and that he's with his <laughs> wife in the hospital. So that's that's what we're we're dealing with. But it was exciting news for our team.
4: Uh, Dave BC, uh, the opponent this weekend, uh, obviously the two games previous haven't gone your way, but uh, Vernon Adams, he he should be able to go uh, despite having some injury uh, troubles there in his last game. What's your read on this Lions group as uh, as you head into a a must-win game there at BC Place?
3: Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna try to make sure we play our best game. Uh, we didn't do that the last time we were out there for for whatever reasons. Um, I looked back. I mean, we were offside in the open kickoff. Our first defensive play, we made a, a mental error, and our first offensive play, we took a holding. Yeah. I and mean, it was really just it just the guys just uh, weren't themselves. And that that game was one of those that you could chalk up was probably when you look back, a game we didn't we didn't show up ready to play. Other than that, our team's been excellent. Yeah and uh, we expect to go out there and, and play well and, and we don't worry about the score if we do that just go play well do your job um, try to win as many plays as possible and see what the score is at the end of the game
4: uh, I noticed uh, Rene popped up in the injury report with uh, some shoulder issues I, obviously you don't need shoulders to kick but uh, how's he uh, heading into Friday
3: yeah I mean like it happened in Ottawa too you know some these guys are trying to get involved in tackling and getting mm-hmm. in there and sometimes they take a hit and um you know i'm feeling pretty good that he should be good to go but uh part of you know i, I agree that shoulders you don't need them to kick but it is a rhythm thing and yeah. there is a, there is some rotation and turn on the upper body yeah. so i certainly think uh i don't know a lot about kicking but i'm sure <laughs> that he still feels much more comfortable if he felt uh healthy he'll 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 find a way through it and uh you know, but if he can't, we've we've had uh, Toshi's been sitting on our our practice roster all year, yeah. a global kicker from Japan, mm-hmm. and been doing a nice job. So, uh, if we go that way, we'll we'll, we'll go that way.
1: Uh, Dave, now I have to ask you. You said you don't know much about kicking. You must have kicked field goals in practice, right? What's the furthest you hit?
3: Well, see, my brother was actually the kicker on like when I when we grew up. He's only one year older. He could hit, you know, probably forty-five plus. Um, and I'd go out there with him. I wasn't great. Uh, maybe i mean i I have hit 40 plus now they remember this is when i was younger but not very consistent not a not a soccer player not a, not a consistent kicker not flexible mm. um you know i actually i i do compare kicking a lot to a golf stroke though i really do and i can see a lot of similarities and it's rhythm and it's, it's really popping through the ball at impact, creating that extra torque. And uh, the one thing I know most people don't understand, it's a descending blow, like you just like a golf shot. You come down on the ball and that creates the lift. And uh, I think I love golf, so if only my body would cooperate and let me have a little bit more flexibility, <laughs> I think it could have been all right. But didn't need to go there. Uh didn't need to go there as well. So I felt good just holding and running the odd fake and letting the <laughs> letting the pros handle the, the kicking duties.
1: Uh when you were holding, how terrified were you they're gonna get kicked in the hand?
3: <laughs> not at all. Sorry, not at all. Like, okay. Uh, Trust me, if I'm terrified of getting kicked, I should just move off the field because the, <laughs> okay. the, the pass rushers hurt a lot more. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, um, that's it hurts fair. a lot yeah, more. Yeah, okay. On that. I did break my wrist though, covering the kick. So I was given a given uh, Renee the same thing as you miss. You go get the tackle, and you don't realize how rough the game is uh, until you're like things flying over the top of you. And it was actually uh, Freddie Childress <laughs> came over a pile after I made the tackle and. Landed on me and broke my wrist, so it's uh, hazardous. Part of the hazards, I guess, of holding sometimes is you got to actually get involved and, and make a tackle.
4: Is that why, like the leagues, like in the NFL, CFL, <clears throat> teams have transitioned to using punters as holders because they don't want to have like a backup kick uh, quarterback get hurt? possibly on one of those no most no? of
3: the time to be honest just, they don't have anything else to do in practice, punters and kickers, so they <laughs> okay they sit down there and they work on it and they work on it and they work on it and to be honest those two are connected and ours are too they're mm-hmm. connected uh mentally physically and trust and uh you know cody's just done an amazing job at, at getting it exactly how renee wants it i think cody's a big part of our success yeah. and i really do on the field goals Aaron Cody and, and Renee to me, they, they just work so well. There's a synergy there. There really is. And uh, I think uh, the holder is an underappreciated art form. It's very, very important uh, for your kicker. Uh,
0: I just want to go back to something you said earlier, Dave, do you find that kickers and punters are usually good golfers?
3: Can be. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I find uh, hockey guys are good golfers because yeah. they, that, that hand eye coordination, they, they hit it so far. And Nike, uh, I think I told this story, you guys. Best best golfer on a football team I've ever played with was our long snapper in San Diego. His name was yeah. David Pinn. He was the one that had a, hung out with Pamela Lee a little bit, so yeah. Pamela Anderson. So, but he was phenomenal. And uh, kicker wise, you know, the ones I dealt with here, the Mark McLaughlin's, Tony Martinos. Solid, but you know that the ball seemed to kind of appear from the bottom of their pants sometime, like when they got in a rough oh so hey, I found it over oh, here here ah, it is ah. I got this great lie I got this, you know for <laughs> I don't know how i got I could still get a 3 wood to the green here, I don't know how, but I did and <laughs> So those would be the guys I dealt with more, more than the the great golfers.
0: Love a good members bounce for sure. Uh, I want to ask you about one more individual who arrived a few weeks ago, uh, a Darius Taylor. He was the pro football focused top special teamer of the week. Uh, he had the forced fumble. I thought it was Aaron Crawford at the time, but it was Darius Taylor. Can you just tell us about what impact he's had a guy who has some NFL experience?
3: Yeah, I think he's got like 88 NFL career games. I mean, um, so listen we uh, we expanded our practice roster he was his agent was saying he was interested and sometimes you never know i mean he's he's 33 you just don't know i mean you think why, why would he want to come up to canada but when he got here he's quiet um but he wants to work and didn't think he'd play this fast not sure he's going to be on this week as well but i think that he showed what he can do and and uh you know i just when you're losing you have a I guess I guess the urgency is to try to find guys, try to find guys that can make plays. And, and he was a big uh, factor in that game. I think that play actually was the determining factor of the game. That's what's so crazy. You never know what play is going to do it. But great, great job. And he's been um, a pro, and coaches like working with him. He fits in well with our linebacker room. And, um, you know, I do believe he's a football player. So good to have him on the squad.
1: Uh, Dave, how much have you been referencing the pro football focus numbers?
3: Uh, not much, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a talk about it, you know, like, I don't understand why they got this grade or got that grade. I do like it, but you know, to me, it's a little bit more on the the off season. How, how, why are they grading it like that? I need to learn a little more on it. And I just don't have the time to study, you know, what I think would be a fair grade or what I think the grade should be. And not to say that they're, you know, I have a better idea, but you know, I don't believe that just saying, Hey, this was his, his fault. A lot of times, I, I hear it on like when Glenn Suter saying he's expecting help over the top. And I'm like, no, he's not. That's, that's, that's supposed <laughs> to be, that's not the coverage I'm seeing. So I don't know if I always, I don't know if I always believe in that, but it's certainly a good conversation piece. And I do think when you're playing good football, it shows up with a pretty good grade.
1: I like that. Uh, do, you, do you do that a lot? You watch a broadcast you're like, and you just roll your no, eyes? No. Like, does that? You're like, no, that was not exactly what we were thinking there.
3: Well, when you know what your, the scheme is, when you know sure. what the call is, um, it's a lot easier. When you're just when you're just trying to like extrapolate and see if something, and yeah, you think it's this, but when I know that the call and what the job of the guy is supposed to be, then I kind of got some inside scoop on that. So it's really not fair yeah. for me to call out one guy, but true. I mean, I do think uh, there are some things zone versus man, and you should know where where things are. And 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 believe it or not, we play a like every a lot of teams we call it like switch man meaning like if one route goes under and one route goes out the two guys that have their man switch and so you can't tell if it's man or zone anyway so a little bit tougher on uh i guess you're looking at it as an analyst but uh, yeah i do roll my eyes i more for the officiating which is mm. i think most people would like how do you call that especially like the nfl lately i mean they're calling rough on the quarterback even tom brady's complaining I mean, he, he wouldn't complain if he's playing, but he's complaining, right. saying, wow, this is getting to a point where you can't even tackle these guys. Those are for me. I'm I'm at that point sometimes like, wow, uh, that's a penalty. and But I guess it is, and you live with it, and you move on. I love it. Uh,
1: Dave Dickinson, the head coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders. Dave, best of luck this week. We'll
0: talk to you next week.
3: Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take right. care.
1: There he is. Always good stuff from Dave Dickinson.
0: Yeah, it was really good. It was a great chat today. Still in it, man. Energy's good. Energy's up. Team's yep. feeling good. They got belief. They got a matchup against the BC Lions. Vernon Adams Jr. banged up, hurt his knee last week, but he's going to start in this one. And if there's one thing I love, it's a Vernon Adams half healthy game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Playing Jake, against him. Mm-hmm. Jake Mayer mm-hmm. might get mm-hmm. the baby bump. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a thing. Darcy, for athletes. Hey, Darcy Kemper. There's yep. a lot of them. He, he had the baby the day before uh-huh. he beat the Flames, and they shoot yep. out there. So. When yeah.
1: Sharon Govich and uh, Kadri rang the post on the shootout. Yeah. Go practice. Yeah, which they should. No, they should have three guys they know are their best shooters. I think I think they do. Those are the three
0: guys? Right now, I'd say yeah. <laughs> like, where else would you go? Maybe Rizic guy, because not a lot of people would have seen him. And he's sneaky talented with I put with the, the puck. kid up there
1: with that shot. Coronado? Snap it under the bar.
0: Yeah, I guess. Like, once again, like, give this guy 10 games to get his feet wet. Like, everyone's like, put him on the top line. He number one power play. Shooting the shooter. Like, give him a chance. He's just getting in the NHL. Give him a dozen games to figure out, like, what he can do here. It's a good league. Yeah, it's a tough league. Yeah. Yeah, he played at Harvard last year in the NCAA. Yeah. It's not like he made the jump from the A. Throw the kid a bone. Quit rushing him. My God. He's not um, Connor Bedard. Settle down.
1: Lots to, uh, lots to discuss with the franchise coming up. Eric Francis from Western New York at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll talk to him about that report that was on Twitter last night from front of the show. David Panyota of the fourth period flames potentially ex- exploring some Dan Vladar trade options, which is fascinating. Jason Buchla saying second round pick potentially for Dan Vladar. I think, I think the flames would be extremely pleased with that sort of return. That's an Dan upgrade Wadar. on. You, what I know we talked about. I, I think you've mentioned a third-round pick would be something that would be a nice little piece of business for Craig Conroy, and the Flames. That's what they a traded. Second to get would even him, be better.
0: So that's what they traded to get him. I I wasn't sure that you were going to be able to get that return back after last year, but obviously, you know, Oops, pretty knows. bullish on the young netminder.
1: Um. So lots to discuss. Uh, Flames playing the Sabers uh, tomorrow night in Buffalo, and then Friday night in Columbus. Against those jackets with that stupid cannon in Columbus. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. It's very loud, apparently. I've never been to that barn. Apparently, it's a beautiful rink. Apparently, it's, that, still little areas. Yeah, it's still nationwide. The little area is supposed yeah, to be Yeah, apparently, it's really nice. But um, Before we get to uh, Eric Francis at the top of the hour. How close is it to Philly? Um, Troy Aikman. Uh, I think you've heard of him. Hmm uh Hall of Fame quarterback this is on my TV when I watch football. Uh him and uh Joe Buck do a terrific job. Mm-hmm. Are they the number 1 team? I think they are. Are they the best? No, I well, Ion and CD.
0: I and CD. <laughs> I and CD are you think so? yeah. homer pick. Yeah, and then yeah, and
4: then Buck Aikman and then I will take um Burkhardt and uh um, uh, uh, Greg, um, I, Greg, Greg, Oden. Greg Greg Olson, Olson. not yeah. Odin. Olson's, Oden. Olson's, been, Olson's yeah. been good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except he's really going to lose his job to Tom Brady in a, in a year. Yeah, yes.
1: Um, it used to be Nance and Romo. I don't know, Jim. Never, never li- know,
4: Jim. Nance and Sims was great. Romo. <laughs> nah, was Sims great. never really. Jim, like it's funny. Like Jim Nance wasn't he? Like he was the CBS studio guy for the longest. Greg Gumble was the number one guy at CBS. Yeah, I remember that. He called. Uh, I don't know, Jim. And then uh, yeah. they moved Gumble to the studio and
1: put Nance in the in the booth. So, uh, Troy Eichmann, um, career speaks for itself. Uh, he's got a lady friend. Mm. Her name's Haley Clark. Mm. She's lovely. Mm. Apparently Haley Clark, uh, was fired and temporarily banned from her previous job at Nordstrom mm. after the retail giant accused her of stealing almost four grand worth of products. Hmm. Mm. According to court documents obtained by the Daily Mail. The 34-year-old Clark was accused of stealing $3,924.44 in products through the improper use of her employee discount while she worked as the director of sales at Trunk Club, a Nordstrom-owned company in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in October 2017, per
4: federal court documents. So the Greasy Daily Mail, we know them, uh, unearthed something that happened six years ago Yep, uh, when they weren't even together. (laughs) Right. Um and great, then they made it into a story? Made it into she, a story because she's a
0: so, famous person's girlfriend. So It's not recent. No, it's not, not at all. She nope. didn't go to prison for it. Nope. She had to what pay a fine, something like that. And she was just fired. Slapped on the wrist. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Theft under a ten thousand, you know. Yeah, like You're, if I'm being serious, I don't know if this is much of a story. Uh well it, I think I think this type of thing happens a lot mm-hmm. to target Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Nordstrom, Walmart. Walmart, you name it Any of those big stores Here's the thing I don't think those employees get paid enough to care about their job Exactly I, well, okay, I'm well, just going to whisper it to people Let's all slow
1: down What are you talking about? Um, well, I wanted to ask the tax line 960-960 name and location Stealing is still stealing have you ever been fired from stealing from your job or know somebody who has
0: 960 960 name and location I am not condoning it No I'm just saying we're not saying steal at your job I'm just saying I'm never surprised when I find out an employee is stealing from mm. their like own.
4: McNuggets if they get fired for eating or putting an extra McNugget
0: or taking a couple of McNuggets
4: I get that like, yeah. like I totally get why that 960 960 name and location You ever been fired from
1: your job for stealing or know somebody who has Tell us a little bit of a story we'd love to hear from you <laughs> Nope, not me. Uh, nope, not nope. me. Nope. Mm-mm. You got to get caught to get fired for stealing. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> what are you implying, Matty mm-hmm. Rose? I'm just saying that's how it works. Were you eating French fries off a nice, uh, high end steakhouse, I don't
0: know, off, off what the you're plate
1: about. of people?
0: One no. time, I got suspended from working at the movie theater because I went into a movie <laughs> that I didn't get passes for. They wouldn't give me passes because I had asked for the night off because I had a minor hockey game. Yeah. And then after my hockey game, I wanted to go see a movie, and they said, you asked for the night off. We're not going to give you free movie passes, even though I worked there. So we're like, all right, sure. And then we just went in the movie ourselves, and we got suspended because we oh. were stealing the movies. <laughs> oh, wow. Stealing the that movies. That we
1: would have had for free. Those are semantics. Um, 960, 960, name That's and location. That's the best I can do. Troy Aikman's girlfriend, um, Haley Clark, apparently uh, exploited her discount for almost $4,000. <laughs> While working at Nordstrom. I don't know.
0: No, that's not exploiting your discount. That's that's stealing. Yeah, it's stealing. Explo- uh, exploiting your <laughs> discount a little bit.
1: Uh, you know not. somebody who's been fired from stealing from a job for your yourself? Discount. Yeah, uh, 960, 960. Eric Name Francis? You,
0: no. Oh, I don't know. I thought you were doing a segue to our next guest. I was also surprised. That, my bad.
1: No, uh, Eric Francis in Buffalo, I guess. Is he in Buffalo right now, physically? Yeah. Like, probably. We'll flew, find so out. They yeah. flew yesterday. We'll find out next. It's the big show, Russick and Conroe. Sports at 960, the fan.